Have you ever wondered why some people make exceptional and rapid progress whenever they do a new training routine or jump into a new sport or activity? While other people may make very slow progress or maybe see very little results when you do the same exercise program. Of course, there's so many influences that determine your progress. And I talk a lot about movement technique, making sure we're training smart, doing all of those things. But if we assume all of that is equal, meaning that everyone's doing the right thing, then there is a concept of people that just respond well to exercise and people that don't respond as well. And it's this concept of high responders versus low responders when it comes to any type of exercise, training program, even getting into a new activity or sport. If you're an athlete, a coach, or anybody that's around the world of sports, you have definitely seen this through the years. You have witnessed people that respond exceptionally well and those that are working extremely hard yet seeing minimal gains. Let's talk about this today, the world of genetics, epigenetics, high responders, low responders, and some of the things that we must consider when we're looking at the progress someone is making with their training. Get ready to dive into this concept and this fascinating world of exercise and genetics. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. For all of my new listeners, you're in the right place to hear about everything that deals with optimizing human performance. For all of my returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in for another episode. And for everyone out there, go check out all the great library of episodes. You can listen to them on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out some of the guest highlight clips on my YouTube channel. There's short snippets of video highlight clips of these guest interviews. And beyond that, check out free resources and content on my social media channels as well. Everything across the board can be found at HNL Movement, my YouTube channel as well, and you can check my website for more information at hnlmovement.com. And if you're tuning in for the first time, I usually have a lot of solo episodes where I cover and discuss certain topics, strategies, everything related to sports medicine, strength and conditioning, sports nutrition, everything again geared to performing your best and optimizing your performance. And I also have a lot of fantastic and amazing guests come on, guest interviews where they share their stories, their experiences, something that we all can relate to and learn from to help us along our journey, whether that's with activities, sports, or just health and wellness. And as always, if you're finding a lot of value or benefit from this content, feel free to reach out, tag me on social media, just give me some feedback. Tell me how it's helping you and benefiting you in some way. And of course, share it with others. Share it with coaches, teammates, friends, family, anybody that's looking to optimize their performance and gain some benefit from this content as well. With that, let's jump into today's episode. It's going to be a short and sweet episode all about this concept of high versus low responders. And this is something that I think we all intuitively understand, but there is actually science to back this up. And to me, a lot of this is super fascinating because it's something just to keep in mind. And I will preface it by saying this. I do think there's a lot of benefit 
beyond just reaching better numbers, getting stronger. I think there's a lot of benefits to exercise. So even if you're not what we categorize as a high responder, you're not gonna play at the most elite level. There's a lot of benefits to practicing exercise, incorporating sports activities and everything into your routine because it will just help you to live a healthier lifestyle. So in no means am I saying that if you're a low responder, it's like a waste of time. I still think there's a lot of benefits that you can achieve even if you're not responding as fast as some of your friends or other people. There's a lot of things that exercise provides besides the outcome, besides getting stronger, running faster. But I will say this will put into perspective maybe some of the things that you gravitate towards, some of the things that interest you, what makes you want to improve and keep training to get better at certain things. So that's all I'm gonna discuss today, just some of these ideas of high and low responders and what does this mean in the context of training. I will say that I got more exposed to the science of this after reading David Epstein's The Sports Gene book. And he has a great chapter that talks about this. It's chapter five, The Talent of Trainability. And he talks more about endurance athletes. And he talks about the former Olympian, Jim Ryan, and how he broke the four minute mark in high school. And really he was a high responder that with the proper training, he started making leaps and bounds of improvements. And because of that, he started to excel and become exceptional. This is beyond just the normal adaptations to training. What you see with high responders is that they respond exceptionally well to the same training stimulus. They start to make greater leaps of improvements, even when you compare them to people that are progressing really well. So if you haven't heard of this and want a great book to read on the side, check out The Sports Gene because it was something that I really liked. It gives a lot of different perspectives to optimizing human performance. So let's dive into this concept. First, I want to discuss and define what the difference is between high and low responders. So like I mentioned, high responders have exceptional improvements to adapt to certain types of training stimuli and they do it very quickly and rapidly. And low responders on the other hand, sometimes low responders, they may show very little or even no improvement when you give them a certain training stimulus. And this is again, assuming that all other things are the same, right? They're doing it well, they're doing what they're supposed to do, focusing on what they're supposed to do. There's just still this spectrum of how people and humans are going to respond to exercise. Now in the book to the sports gene, they talk about the heritage study. And this was a big study that looked at endurance training using this stationary biking protocol. And they saw that these responders had a wide range of adaptations to the exercise, everything from no change to drastic and significant improvements. And what they found was, and this is kind of counterintuitive, a little surprising, is that these responders had nothing to do with their starting point or their baseline going into the study. So for example, we commonly think that, oh, if someone is inexperienced, right, they have a very low baseline, there's a lot of room for improvement. So usually that initial phases of training, those first few months, they're more likely to see significant improvements and jumps just because they're doing something new, it's a new stimulus. But that's not always true either. Even someone that is inexperienced, maybe with a lower baseline, sometimes they're a low responder too. I'm gonna talk about this a little bit more at the end of the episode, but it's interesting to know that high and low responders have nothing really to do with their starting point or that baseline coming into that training protocol. 
So that already kind of throws a little wrinkle maybe into that thought process because most people might think that if I'm starting at a low level, I have a lot of room for improvement, but that is not always the case. So a lot of what the chapter talked about, a lot of this was dealing with endurance type of sports and looking at their capacity, their aerobic capacity, VO2 max capacity, and how well can they actually handle or adapt to endurance type training. And then the book started to talk about this role of genetics, which we know intuitively, or most of us know that genetics does play some part into our physical capacity to adapt to training or do certain tasks. But again, genetics doesn't determine everything, right? We see that you can have the right genes, but if you do things that do not bring out those gene expressions, then you're not going to adapt or you're not going to realize your potential, right? You're not going to reach that potential that you could reach if you did the right things. So then it's this idea of, yes, genetics do have an influence. Genetics, you can think of, it's our actual DNA, right? The instructions that tell our body what to do, right? How to function on a cellular level, and that's going to spill over into how our body just functions in general, in this world. And then you have this concept of epigenetics. And for those that may not have heard about epigenetics, this is very interesting because as more and more research came out in the, I believe early 2000s, but even now epigenetics is a bigger thing. And this is understanding that our lifestyle factors, such as behavior, our environmental influences, this can modify or determine what genes get expressed and what genes may get shut off. And this is something that's super interesting because this is what you hear about lifestyle factors how we eat, nutrition, sleep, stress, how we grow up, the environmental factors, all of these types of things, it's going to determine what genes actually get expressed and start to affect us or what genes may turn off too and become more dormant. So when we talk about people responding to exercises, epigenetics can have a big influence and factor in on what types of things may actually enhance or prevent us from realizing our potential when it comes to training stimulus. So to elaborate on this point a little bit more, and I think this is interesting because this is at least how I've heard it and read about it too. The difference between genetics and epigenetics is that genetics are actually our DNA sequences. The instructions that our body is basing cellular instructions, protein synthesis, all of this off of. And think about this like you have a grand piano, right? The piano has all of the same keys and the genetics are kind of like the sheet music or what's written, the notes that's written to play a song. Right? That's the instructions. It tells you what keys to press, what combinations of sounds and expressions and things that happen when you press those keys. So that's like our genetics or our genes. It's the sheet music that gives us the instruction to play music. Now our epigenetics are what kinds of genes or what's going to be expressed from that. And this is where you can think of it as our environmental influences or lifestyle influences. It's actually going to turn certain expressions on and turn certain expressions off. And these things can be triggered by everything, right? Like our age, environment, lifestyle, diseases, pathologies, and all of these things that might influence what types of genes get turned on or what types of genes get turned off. So epigenetics, it's kind of like, or the analogy is like, it's the piano player. It's the person that's going to play the instructions, right? You have the instructions there, you have all the notes that you have to press, but it depends on 
how does that player actually execute those instructions? You're going to have a lot of different ways that you can play that music. You can express it really well, the timing of it, you can change things up, but you're essentially pressing all of the same notes on the instruction. So that is kind of what epigenetics is like. It's how the piano player chooses to play the music or the instructions. And that is all of the lifestyle and environmental influences. How are you actually going to express your genetics? So with that in mind, what the sports gene talked about, and I'm sure many other studies talked about, there are people that when you give them the right stimulus, all of the right genes get expressed to actually adapt and make remarkable progress. Where other people, even if you give them that right stimulus, they might not have the genetic makeup or epigenetic influences to actually turn those gene expressions on. And other people, when you give them that stimulus, it might turn off the genes that we need to actually make that adaptation. So that is the difference between high responders and low responders. There is a genetic influence. Again, it's not everything, but there is some type of genetic influence that determines how well you're going to respond to some type of stimulus and other people may not respond very well at all. And that is the difference between high and low responders. So knowing this, I think there's a lot of take home messages here. One, again, there's a lot of different things that you can do to try to adapt and train more. But I would say, especially if you're seeing some of the extreme results, people that are very high responders, it's just understanding that if they actually do the right things, they're probably going to respond even better and better. People that are low responders, maybe you have to mix it up a little bit. Maybe you have to figure out other ways that might give you the adaptation that you're looking for. The other thing, unfortunately, with low responders, I think a lot of people will get self-selected out of those activities, meaning that at a certain point, you just realize you're not progressing as well as you would like. Even though you might like it, you might gravitate more to some of the things that you do respond better to. So I think without even knowing or getting genetic testing, you just kind of gravitate more towards the activities that you respond a little better to. Again, you might not be a high level elite responder, but it'll be something that your body adapts a little better to and will help to keep your interests as well. Now I wanna do leave with a couple more points. So again, this is just exposing you to this concept of high and low responders based off of genetics, epigenetics, and some of these factors. And this is a question that we probably don't really fully understand, but at least from my general understanding and thoughts, I think this is more critical for things that are actually highly influenced by exercise physiology and our anatomy and physiology makeup. So for example, the sports gene chapter talked a lot about endurance athletes, just the potential to adapt favorably to aerobic activities, right? A lot of that has to do with VO2 max capacity. The book talked about it too. There's certain elite few people that even if they don't train, their VO2 max will be comparable to people that are still training, right? That's not typically the norm for most of us. So things like that, they have an actual genetic makeup that influences a high VO2 max. Other things you can think of too, and might have something to do with muscle fiber typing. They might be just made up of more type one, slow twitch muscle fibers, right? You can think of this as someone being on the opposite side of the spectrum too, like explosive athletes. They might just have genetic makeup for more type two muscle fibers, the explosive fast twitch type of muscle fibers. So thinking about those those types of things, I think whenever it has to do with some type of genetic influence on physiology, 
that may have a bigger influence on people that are high and low responders. Versus if you have something that is more skill dependent, something that you can learn through experiences, maybe the high and low responders won't make that much of a difference if it doesn't need to be that physically specialized. Meaning some type of genetic physiology that we need to have in order to adapt favorably. So that's just something to think about, right? There's a lot of different requirements physiologically between different activities. So some of those things may play a role into how well you adapt to whatever it might be. Endurance type of training stimulus versus intermittent type of sports or explosive types of sports and everything between those two. You might have a different type of range when it comes to high versus low responders. And the last thing that I wanna leave off with, and this is just something for all of us to think about because we've seen it through our lives whether you're an athlete yourself, whether you're a coach, athletic trainer, someone that's working with athletes, we often see this happen right before our eyes, that we see people that come in activities either with a high or low baseline, and they are either a high or low responder to that type of training. So let me break this down, and this is something that I just want everyone to think about. And I'm not saying everyone fits perfectly in these categories, but again, relating this to those activities that require a lot of genetic influences, certain types of physiological adaptations. So I'm just gonna break this down into four categories based off of high and low baseline and high and low responders. So first type of athlete is the low baseline. They come in very inexperienced. Their capacity when they first start is very low and they're a high responder. And these are the typical athletes that get a lot of praise, right? They're the ones that are labeled as they didn't come in very gifted, they weren't really a natural, but they have a strong work ethic and they're the most improved. They worked hard for everything that they achieved. So there's a lot of praise with this person. Low baseline, high responder, it's all due to their work ethic and we kind of forget sometimes. If it's exceptional growth, it might have a genetic or epigenetic influence. The second category is those with a high baseline and their high responders. These are typically going to be your elite level athletes. We're talking at the professional level, Olympic level. They had a high baseline. They were naturally gifted to do these types of activities or movements or sports. And with the proper training, they've worked really hard. And these people are seen as they really worked for it. They made the most of their talent. They reached their full potential, right? They're the elite level athletes that are probably in the top 1% of the world when it comes to their sport or activity. The third category is going to be your low baseline, unnatural, inexperienced, and low responder. And typically these are the people, like I mentioned earlier, that people will tend to self-select them out of certain activities. Maybe you lose interest. I think we've all been there. Even the elite level athletes, I'm sure there was something that they did that it was like, okay, I'm not very natural at this and my progress or my response to the training is not as fast as what I would like. Definitely not as fast as some of the other things that you may have tried. So we typically kind of self-select us out of these activities and lose interest or might seek something that we're a little better at. So that's the low baseline, low responder. And what I wanna end with for this episode is the fourth category. Because just think about this. There are people that we might have known, teammates that we've played with, or people that we've seen who fall into this fourth category. And this category is those that start with a very high baseline. So they're the naturally gifted athletes, so good when they started, and they're low responders. 
and we have seen this. They can train, they can do all of the things that other people are doing, but they just don't respond genetically or epigenetically well to the exercise stimulus. And the reason that I wanna end with this is that there's typically a lot of negative connotation attached to this type of athlete or this group of people. And we typically look at them negatively as they didn't work hard, they were lazy, they didn't put their natural gifted talents to use, right? They kind of were the ones that were a slacker. And just think about that. There are people like this. And it's usually people that we see as we're growing up in sports. Typically people that are very naturally gifted in intermediate school, maybe early high school. But this is not their sport. Their body does not respond well to training. So when you give them the training, even though they started off with a very high baseline, they may not adapt to the training stimuli. And because of that, it might be perceived as they're not reaching their full potential because of things like lack of work ethic, or they're not trying hard enough, or they're not doing the right things to actually be motivated to progress. But that may not always be the case. And the reason why I wanna end off with this, and again, I'm not talking about the average population. We're talking about the extreme ends. This type of person, it may harm them in more ways than one to be labeled this throughout their athletic career, right? When it in fact might just be that they're a low responder. So think about this. And again, for coaches, there's other ways that you can try to have them adapt favorably if certain things aren't working. Again, I wanna emphasize this one more time. But this is not your average case, right? It's not the one that, well, if they had better training resources or maybe they need to do things to improve their technique or other types of things. We're not really talking about that. We're assuming that all of those things are equal, the same. It's really the people that have tried certain things with the right intent and focus. And it might not just be what their body will adapt to. So those are the typical low responders. And just think about that. Those type of athletes, we need to find ways to support them, change things up, and even just figure out ways to make their sport activity work well for them. No one wants to be labeled that. For those people that are working very hard, they're just not responding well, they don't wanna be labeled as you know people that are lazy, didn't work hard. So think about that and how can we help these athletes so that they still can compete. And again, there might be a point where because they're not responding as favorably, maybe their natural given talents at a certain level do not become you know, the exceptional talent, but because they have a high baseline, they'll still be able to compete usually in some shape or form. So just think about those types of athletes and everyone out there as teammates, as athletes yourselves, as coaches, as trainers, strength coaches, we need to be able to recognize this because this will help us support and train our athletes better and making sure that we help them to achieve their true potential. Wherever that is, that's the goal and that's what we wanna achieve. Try to achieve our true potential. Be our absolute best. And whatever that is, that is usually what makes things more fun, more enjoyable, and you continue to stick with things to live a healthy and happy lifestyle. And that's really what I wanna do. For all of my athletes, listeners out there, that's what I encourage is to understand how to reach your true potential and perform your absolute best. So the take home message for today is just understanding this concept of how genetics, epigenetics interact with 
our physiological capability and how we respond to exercise and training stimuli. We can either be high responders or low responders and even people that come in with a high or low baseline and just know that just because your baseline is at a certain level, it doesn't necessarily indicate that you will be a high or a low responder to that type of training or sport activity. And with this information, I hope you can take it with you. And I encourage everyone to just think about ways that you can improve your training, but also just be aware in the back of your mind. Are you a higher or lower responder to what you have been doing? Because that will give you some insight. Maybe I need to change certain things, adapt certain ways, seek out other resources too, because you just want to reach your true potential. So that is all that I have for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. And remember, for all of you out there, if you're finding benefit from this content, feel free to reach out to me. You can tag me on social media, share this content with family, friends, coaches, teammates, anybody that's looking to gain some benefit from it and also if you want to just say hello or give me some feedback you can email me at andrew at hnlmovement.com check out all my social media channels my youtube channel and my website everything across the board you can find at hnl movement my website is hnlmovement.com and other than that keep staying tuned there's a lot of great guest interviews coming up in the future as well as a lot of other solo topics that i have planned for all of you so keep checking back in i release episodes every tuesday so until then keep training hard training smart do all of the things that help you to optimize your performance and live a healthier and happier your lifestyle i will be back here same time same place next week until then have a great week everyone aloha